0: What would uh, church, what would America look like if, if just this crowd right here was to live out the song that we just sang? That, that has been what's been on my heart. Um, the idea that we can sing songs a lot easier than we can live the message. And I mean, it's easy for us. To, I mean, especially you get to that, that part of the song where it says, I surrender all. I mean, that's that universal symbol right there. It's, it's the raising of the hands. The Bible in the Old Testament talk about lifting up holy hands. It's the idea of on our life, and, and through this, this, this will represent our life, it's the idea of taking our life and saying, Lord, when everything that I have and my ambitions and my goals and everything that I have, we step back, And we do this. And I'm not talking about just the symbolism of us doing that in a worship service. I'm saying with everything that our life contains. To sit back and just say, you are greater. You are more than you. You are better than all the things that I place into my life. That I signify being great. Because too many Christians are unfulfilled. Today I have to. I must lay out the groundwork. Of why I'm going to speak on this for the next couple weeks. And I'm going to promise you right now, this will not be a hallelujah, amen kind of message. It, it's going to be more of us set back going, wow. God, what did, wow, is that us? Because I mean, there's, there's some aspects of our life, to be honest, as much as we go to church and as much as we know these things, are they, are they living out in our lives? See, the thing is, as we talk about Memorial Day weekend, we are so blessed in so many ways. I mean, think about a child. And, and sometimes there's a child born into a household. Maybe you were that child. And their entire life, all it's been is, been I want that and give me that. And, and, and they get to the point where within their own life, they think that they are Neglected because of the fact that their parents did not buy them the PS4 when the PS3 video games system came out. And, and you say you, you look across the world and you look at other nations where children are digging through trash heaps to try to get a sliver of food just to put in their belly, which eventually makes them sick. And you look at us and say we're not blessed. What happens is we begin to get very inward focused. It's all about me, what I want, what I like. Whether you're talking about in the walls of a church or in the walls of our society, we become very selfish. I'll be honest. And I want you to take this the right way. But our blessings have almost ruined us. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Our blessings have almost come to the point where we have taken our eyes off the giver of the blessings and we have just hoarded the blessings and we're, we're sitting there almost in the attitude of what we live saying give me more. We are blessed. I want to be very direct. So I got to tell you what the Lord was working in my life and a, a while ago I was uh, in my neighborhood and I, I, I moved recently and I'm going through my neighborhood and, and uh, I'm seeing my neighbors come out of the, 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 the cold months of hibernating and now everybody's in their yards and they're cutting grass and they're spreading mulch and they're doing all that stuff that we do. And, I, and I, as I'm going through my neighborhood and I was walking around and I, I'm seeing the different areas and different people and who lives where and, and I mean, the Lord honestly impressed upon my heart and I, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, God, we need, we need to do something. I wonder, I wonder if these people go to church, I wonder if they know God. And I am sitting there, and then, you know what I did? I'm, you guys can judge me all you want. After I'm done, I'm going home, and I'm grabbing my TV remote. And I, I'm going in, and my wife has this big meal planned. And let me tell you, there is nothing wrong with those things. You guys get that, that eating a meal and having family and air condition and all those things. I, I'm not sitting there saying, run to the wilderness and live with nothing. But I thought, it's funny how quickly my burden dissipates when I get back into my comforts. I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. And uh, I want to look at this and explain the foundation. And and honestly, we won't get to the the, the meat of the direction until we're closing out and then we'll pick it up big time. And I want to challenge you guys, please, please come back. I've got three messages that I'm doing and I promise you next week will be one of the biggest aspects of this. I recently had had three different opportunities to meet with leaders of our city. I've been, the Lord has opened doors. And I've been going in there and and they've been meeting with the pastors and I'm I'm starting to catch a, a theme of what's going on as they share with us and I shared with our class this morning a little bit about it. I'm just saying that there's some things going on where little by little they're warning us and saying, guys, just so you know, you think things are rough right now, but they said there's some doors that are about to be opened in our nation that are going to shake us to the core. And they said for a long time we keep saying that and churches keep preaching that. We keep getting behind it. They said these things that used to be speculation or ideas or fears are now becoming a reality. They say things are going to change. They're already set up. The question is, are you guys ready for it? In Matthew 24, verse 33, So likewise you, when you shall see these things, know that it is, what's the word? Near. Even at the doors. Verily I say to you that this generation shall not come to pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, I want you guys to understand that this is a warning to Christians. This is a warning to us. And I know we've studied this, and this is not, and this is not the thrust of where we're going. I just I just want to open your mind for you to understand the importance. See, these things that the Bible's talking about, these things will come to pass, this drastic shift in our nation. It is a drastic change, and and I, I am not here to make this the thrust of my message, but it is apparent, it is obvious, and it is around us. The one thing that they keep mentioning, and they said that just ought to shake us up. They said, you realize that only 10 years ago, not one state in America was able to legally marry a homosexual company, a couple. Not one state. Today, there are 36. Within 10 years. The door that is about to be opened, that that is being debated and thrown around right now is the idea that if the Supreme Court votes in this direction, all 50 states will have to comply. When that happens, the next phase coming is the fact that when we speak out against it, we will be speaking out and hate crimes, saying that they are not as good as us. Now, we, we sit there and say, we're, we're, it's about the sin, it's about the Bible, it's about right from wrong. We'd all say that, amen. But that's not the way that the, the world's going to spin it. And you say, why, why are you saying that? The Bible tells us, and you say, when the time is near, the time is near. We've heard that for years and years. I've done messages many times from this regard. But the Bible gave us comparison. It says, as in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, when we witnessed these things going around us. And he said, when you see these things, and you understand that you must know that the time is near. Verse 33, or let's look at verse 37. But as in the days of Noah were, so also should the coming of man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Do you see the theme there? It was all about a nation of people that were blessed and had the blessings. They absorbed the blessings. They liked the blessings, but nobody was looking towards God. It was all about them until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son man be consumed with pleasures, consumed with what they wanted. And we sit there as a nation. No, we sit there and as a church and say, "That's right." Look at what the world is doing. But is it closer to home than that? Verse 40, then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken. And the other left. Do you realize that in our nation, in our society, that right there has become almost a science fiction movie mentality of that is something that would never happen. But God is saying, hey, Christians, do you not see that all this stuff is right on the horizon? Do you not understand that these things are right in front of us? And we sit there and everybody in the church would say, amen, I see the changes. I know the word. We hear the warnings. We know everything that God said. But God said, do you realize that one day, one day soon, that the day will come that one person will be in the field and that one person will be you and the other person, your child or your mother, your friend, And God said, when I return, there is no longer a chance to reach them. You sit back and say, you know what? You know why we don't hear this? Because it's not popular today. Nobody wants to sit there and hear about the judgment of God or what is to come or the requirements of a Christian or what God said is going to happen at the end of what we're seeing happen in our nation. And this is what gets me. Jesus was saying that this generation will witness these things. But what are we doing? If you watch an NFL game, in the last season before it closed out, me and my wife were watching one of the games and at the end of it, the score was within two points. And of course they blow the two minute warning and they all take their break and they go to the side and I promise you the entire atmosphere of everything going on in that game changes just like that. They know that the time is clicking. Everybody watches every second. They they will challenge a play just to throw three more seconds or two more seconds back on the clock because every second counts. Not one person is being lazy. Not one person is just sitting there. Everybody is on the edge of their seat. Everybody is doing their part. Everybody is willing to lunge or throw their body out there, whatever it takes to make sure that the job gets done. He has realized that the two-minute warning with God has already blown? Do we realize that God has already said that this is right upon us? And, and God looks down the sidelines and says, Why are you guys acting like you have time if you do not have time? There's only one aspect of that that changes everything. God looks down at us and says, Do you actually believe what you've heard all these times? Is it something that you have sat in church Week after week, and you've heard it, you've observed it, and knowing that there's a real hell. And right on the other side could be the reality of separation of your children and your grandparents or whoever it is for all eternity. And we sit there. And, and I, 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 I walk through the halls of this church when we're, we're having service or invitation. You've more people talk in the halls than you do sitting in the sanctuary praying and asking God to work. We sit there and chat about nonsense on Facebook when God said there's people to go to hell without hearing the truth. Have we been so distracted by everything that we've had that we've forgotten why God has placed us here? We can sit there and say, oh, I've heard this so many times before. Have you ever stopped to picture yourself standing before God? Have you ever thought... Of what it will be like the day that the Bible looks at our loved ones. And and God looks at our loved ones and says depart from me. I never knew you. I've read it. But I can't imagine. For someone to say something. Or God to say to someone that I love that much. That there is no chance to turn things around at that moment. I just think how are we responding. What has happened to us? You think if we really believed this, that it would shake us to the core. We would be running to our families. We would be setting aside every weight. We would be lifting up praise to God. We would be pleading for revival. As we sit there and talk about the power of prayer, we would be begging and fasting and pleading and crying out to God. But yet, in the reality, we can talk about these things and have very little response. We can talk about people going to hell and the reality of eternity and yet we still go home and quicker turn on the TV than we will to call that loved one. And honestly, this is, this is where I've gone to. I've stepped back and I just simply have squandered why. It is not that the people that we stand before, it's not that we don't love God. It is not a matter of that that we don't know the truth. It is not a matter of us not wanting it. So let me simply ask us as a church. What happened to our fire? What happened to the drive that we had to cry out, to to, to fast, to plead, to beg and to seek God? I want you to turn in Revelation and we'll be parking here for most of the remainder. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15. I'm going to tell you right now that this is not comfortable. What has happened to us? What has gotten into the Christian that has distracted us? And I think in Revelation, as God is talking right before we come to a transition in the books where we get a glimpse of heaven and the, 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 the tribulation, and he is talking to the church in the, these two chapters of chapter 2 and 3. And he gets to this last church age and he says, I know thy works in Revelation 3.15. I know thy works, but thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that were thou cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, and Now, I, I, this is not the primary purpose of me reading this, but if you just get the idea... That if you were to take something that was sat into our world, something that was once on fire or one extreme the other, the Bible says that there's something happening inside of there, but if you take that glass of water and you place it in the middle of that environment, eventually that cup of water will adapt to its surroundings. It will no longer be cold. It will no longer be hot. It will no longer be different. It will adapt to every temperature that is around it. No longer different. And God says that it makes me sick. Amen. And I, go, I wonder, Lord, are, are we lukewarm? God, could you look at us as a Christian or as a church? And I'm, I'm looking at, at what we do and there's some certain signs that God points out to signify these things. So let's evaluate, first of all, our condition. And he says in verse 7, because. He says, you want to know why? You want to know where your, 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 your flame or your drive or your passion or your, 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 your sacrifice and all that used to be there. You know where it went? And God says, because thou sayest, I am rich and I am increased with goods and have need of nothing. Out of any culture I know, I don't think we could deny saying that this sounds like America. And I lay it out. Let me show you. First of all, it's describing that he's sitting there saying we are blessed. As simple as I know how to make it, the the Bible is just saying our condition is simply that we are blessed. Let me just make a, a, a blanket statement. Everything that I'm about to explain from here out for the rest of the message, I want you to understand there is nothing wrong with the blessings of God nothing there is nothing wrong with God giving unto his people and blessing his people until we get to the point where we are blinded by our blessings that's when it gets wrong it's like having that child that comes up and says mama these shoes aren't cool anymore and I, I want this and why can't I have this and you turn around and say you look at how much I've given you are you no longer thankful are appreciative for what you have. We are blessed. What happens? We are satisfied. We are content. And I looked at this. If you were to rewind America 80 to 100 years and you were to go back to the 20s and the 30s in America during the days of the Depression, where they had to ration out food and they had to ration out gasoline and people were going hungry and there was no Amazon and eBay and Xbox. If you were to go back to those days and you realize what was going on during that time, that there was churches gathering together pleading for the power of Jesus Christ. And they were asking for God to heal their nation and bring life to the dead. The spiritual condition of America was before them. And you say, what changed? What happened? And I realized something that God has given us this principle that when we are empty, then we seek God and ask Him to make us full. It is only at the place of our emptiness or surrender or brokenness or however you want to work it that we're at the place of saying, None of me and all of you. That's it. And, and, and realizing that we have these temporary satisfactions that come to us during that day, they leaned on the principle, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. It was not the attitude, I am rich, no, I am poor. It wasn't the attitude, I am increased with goods. Say, so Lord, I all that I have I need from you. It was different. He said, Wait a minute. Whoa, well, whoa, well, well, let me tell you, Pastor Tony. I know the description that you're giving me. That's not the description that I see in America today. And you are correct. Things have changed. You see, today, we struggle to figure out what to buy our kids and grandkids. Because you sit there and say, well, they have everything that I can think of already. We walk through the store at Toys R Us or Walmart, and they say, I have that, I have that, but I I don't... I don't have it with that feature on it. I, I, I started thinking about the struggles that we have in America and the difference that things have happened. In our generation, we have witnessed people literally trampling each other to get a discount on Black Friday to walk into a store to get a, a, a DVD player. It is our generation that will sleep outside on a sidewalk for two days to be the first one to upgrade their iPhone 5 to an iPhone 6. See, we still have passion. It's just not the same that it was. Today, we witness the generation that has TVs in every room. We resist the constant need to upgrade because they come out with 4K or whatever the next thing that they will tease us with. We pay more for our clothes in efforts to match the styles that we witness on TV. We drop $10 on a movie ticket and $5 on popcorn. We're the generation that complains and feel like we're doing without because of the speed of our internet slows down when we're downloading something. Our generation feels incomplete with an iPhone, an iPod, an iPad, a laptop, and a smart TV to match. And now it's to the point where we have to have the watch to go along with it. There's no I, more eye I things that we can get, I don't think, but. We have restaurants at every corner. And I started thinking about how God views us. And God says, I, I, I know your, your heart. And I I, I I know that you say that you need me. And I, I know that you're pleading for me. And I, I, I know you guys are 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 blessed. You are blessed. And I mean I, I look at your life and, and you, you say, God, I need you and I love you. And Lord, I I want a touch of God on my life. And God says, I, I know you do. But the thing is, God says, I I can see your heart. I can I can see what you, you 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 you're passionate about. I can see where you spend your time and I can see where you spend your money and I can see what you're we look forward to coming home to, and I, I know how you start your morning, and I know how you're going to end your day. I, I know what's everything in between. I know what captivates you. You're going to sit there and say, oh, Pastor Tony, drinking a cup of coffee. No, no, let me tell you, none of those things are wrong. Right. I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you what, what happened in Revelation when God says, where, where are those that are pleading for revival, and where are those that are on their knees, and where are those that are getting in the Bible, and where are those that are Going out and trying to reach the world that is lost without God, where are they? And God said, What has blinded them? What went wrong? And He said, Because thou sayest, I am rich, I am increased with goods, and I am of need of nothing. Can I tell you guys, as I look across there, we are blessed. And you say, well, you have no idea, I I struggle with this, and I I don't have an iPhone 6, I'm struggling with an iPhone 4, you have no idea how hard it is, Pastor Tony. (laughs) Let me tell you right now, I'm not at all trying to belittle needs, or trying to keep up with the rent, or anything like that, but I think what God is asking is, let me see your heart. Let me see what you sacrifice for and what what is in your life that you are driven to do and want to do in your life. And thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And God says, here's the thing, you can look at your life and you can say that I am successful because of the car you drive or the money that you have or the, the new house that you've been given or, or the 4 k okay that you have saved to the side and all those blessings that you have. But God says, let me ask you, how great is your marriage? Let me ask you, how many people are being saved in your church and in your ministry? Let, let me ask, for all that you have, are you truly fulfilled? Isn't it amazing that it is our world and our generation that the more we have, the higher our suicide rate goes. The higher the drug use is going. Why is it that the more people are becoming addicted to alcohol and everything, why is it the more we have, the less fulfilled we feel? When we've been blessed more than any nation in any generation that has ever come before us. Why? Why? What has happened? If we would just learn in James 1:17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. The saddest part about this is that in our churches, when we preach this, most of us will sit there and agree and say, "Yes, that is true." And yes, I can look through my neighborhood and I can talk about the people that I go to work and I do this. But let me remind you that God is talking to a church in this passage. And then I kept reading. And he said, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor. And what's the next word? Blind. And God said, the worst part about it is you are trying to figure out what is missing. And God said, all these things have blinded you. they blinded you. You're increased with goods. You have the blessings and all the things that I require and desire for your life are not there. We are blind. You realize we are blind to the needs that surround us. You can be clothed in all of these things and yet you truly still at the heart of it have nothing. Let me, let me tell you and just put it in perspective that we can understand. you realize that we can take our kids And they can be blessed with the most modern gadgets. That They can graduate with perfect grades. They can be the MVP of their ball team. That They can walk around school with the best tennis shoes that are are, are known and, and popular among their peers and everything else. And if they grow up in our homes and our churches and do not have a passion for God, then truly they are naked and miserable. They have nothing. They have nothing. Let me get to the second point. We look at our condition, but let me close with our cure. And the thing that I, I, I'm having, and before we get all judgmental and say, oh, man, with went to church and all he did was preach about us having good things in our life and preach about us being happy and preach about this, that's not at all what I am saying. See, there's, there's a test that God's going to put around us and what his whole thing was. Where is your passion? That's what he was talking about, that you've become lukewarm. Where is your passion? passion God says let me ask you this question when's the last time you led somebody to me when's the last time you walked through the door of the church and you had somebody lost that you were burdened for sitting next when's the last time that you gave up something of yourself to give to them and sacrifice of yourself for the sake of them see the only thing that I know to look at our cure is I want you to look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and we'll be done And I I see this, and we know this, and I thought it was so cool. This past week, two of the verses that I was going to touch on was touched on by the the guest speakers that we had. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God looks down at us and says you know what it's not a matter of the blessings it's not a matter of the good it's not a matter of the pleasures what God wants to know is are you presenting before God what we showed before or does it look more like this can we lift up to God and say God I I, I need more and I want more and God I, I want you to fill me and God says from my perspective you look pretty full already you, you, you've got everything that you sacrifice. You'll take your check and you'll go cash it in to get what you want. But let me ask you, are missionaries being sent around the world? Are bus routes being added to your church? Are people being changed with the power of the gospel as a result of your being a living sacrifice unto God? Is it? And I looked at that. If, he said, which is your reasonable service? We're looking at this personal sacrifice because he said this and he gives us a warning in this. And he says, be not conformed to this world. You know, you, you, know, you know what the conformity of the world is? It is constantly a matter of I need, I want, give me, I deserve. Why can't I have? Put me first. Why aren't I noticed? Da, 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 it's me. Me, 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 me. Constantly. Making it about ourselves. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And all through the scripture, if I could put it like this John the Baptist said this. When we look inside of our lives of what we live for, John said, I must decrease, and he must increase. Jesus told the disciples, he said, hey, if any man's going to come after me, you must first deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Over and over and over. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. I thought back to Abraham that was rich. You guys get Abraham was rich and he was wealthy and he had blessings. And God came to him and said, God looked inside of his heart and he said, Hey, 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 buddy, I, I see something in your life that it looks like you love a whole lot and that, that seems to be your passion. So that, that, that passion that I see is Isaac. And he went before him and he said, Do you realize, son, that I, I can't fully fill you until you are completely empty? That's the only way. I cannot completely fill you until you are completely emptied. And God commanded him to walk up there. And Abraham went upon that mountain and he said, God, my life is yours. My child is yours. My income is yours. Everything that I have is yours. And on that altar, Abraham poured out before God and said, God, it is all yours. And you sit back and say, whoa, wait a minute. That's not the full story. Say so God, turn around and bless him back. That see, that's this is this is where we start. And everybody's sitting there going, "Wait a minute! You're telling me that I have to live like a pauper and I can't have any blessings in my I, I'm not I'm, I'm telling you every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, Amen. and we'll never ever ever have the burden or the passion until we're at the place like we were at nine eleven, where every nation, our nation, was driven to our knees. People were knocking on the doors of the church saying, can we get in and pray? Can we get in and, and, and hear the Bible? Can we get into the church and be around God's people? You know what happened? God had to go, how are you now? Yeah. God had to take it. God had to strip us down. We look at our personal sacrifice, but when we also see that total surrender. I'm not going to turn there and I'm just going to pray and see how God leads next week with this. But I want, you, I want to close with this thought. First of all, if you are a Christian, raise your hand or say something right now. You are a Christian. So you guys are not ashamed of that whatsoever, right? Let me, let me tell you about being a Christian or to be Christ-like. You guys do know that that's what that means. You are Christ-like. I am Christ-like. That's what we're saying. I'm Christ-like. And God says, all right, all right, that's good. Because he said, let me tell you, and I, I began to ask people, and I said, you know, Jesus raised the dead and turned the world upside down, training the disciples, and he went and preached, and he, he, made, he did all these wonderful works. And then he commanded the disciples, and he said, go and do likewise. And I know in our dispensation, it's, it's, it's the work through the Holy Spirit, and it's different than it was with Jesus raising the dead, but it's still a matter of us doing the work of God. I started asking people, Jesus, the creator of all, the son of man, the Alpha and Omega was born in a manger. He grew up and had a public ministry. What did he do to begin all of that that we just mentioned? And I started thinking when I I told the class this, I went back, you know what Jesus did? Jesus, the son of God, walked into the wilderness for 40 days. And he said, Father, I'm made of flesh. Jesus was flesh. And the Bible says even in that passage that after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says, and he hungered. So, Lord, it's, it's not about my flesh. And he went in there and he came back out. And the Bible says, and seeing the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. See, I think that honestly... It's not a matter of me preaching against the blessings of God. It's just a matter of us starting surrendered to God. All to Jesus I surrender. We sing that song all the time. All to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. And God says, you know what all means? Do you know what that means? Because I'm looking at your life and I'm not seeing the matchup of what you are saying to what you are living. And I think that's what God has done to the church. God looks at us and says, man, they're singing it about it again. They're talking about it again. Man, there, there they go. One more song about I surrender all. There's that invitation song they love. There's that song about giving God everything. And God says, I just wish that I could show them what that was like. If they would just come before me and pour it all out. And Jesus is headed to the cross. He takes the disciples and they go into the garden. And right before he says, Father, not my will be done, but thine be done. And even in his last minutes in the garden, God says, not me. All of you. All of you. What does that take? Just just let me ask you, church, right now, from from my heart to you. I, I, I I don't know how to change this. And that's what I debated. I said, Lord... How how are we ever going to change that? Lord, these things are part of our lives. Lord, how how do we get to the point where God is number one and God is everything? And and we throw our hands up and mean it. You know what? I realized that God had a plan. God God said, hey, 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 wait, wait a minute. Do you not read my word? Do you not know what I said? He said, go back to the beginning. And I laid it out and I said, this is what you do to make sure that you don't become that lukewarm Christian. So just ask you, will you come next week praying and asking God, Lord, help me to be emptied and spilled out. No matter what it takes, because I'll tell you, just like Abraham, when he prayed and said, Lord, whatever it takes, God says, all right, dude, I'm telling you right now, this is what it's going to take. We're afraid to pray the prayer because we're afraid of what God's going to ask for. But let me tell you this, we will never experience the fullness of God Until we first become empty.